This is Recorded Future, Inside Security Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 180 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. The U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, has taken an increasingly prominent role in the day-to-day cyber defense of organizations and institutions here in the U.S., and globally as well. Through the establishment of the IC3, the Internet Crime Complaint Center, the FBI provides an invaluable public resource for prevention, response, and mitigation of cyber threats to businesses and public organizations of all sizes. Joining us this week is FBI Cyber Division Section Chief Herb Stapleton. He shares his journey toward a mission-based career in public service, as well as his insights on the FBI's ongoing efforts to form lasting partnerships with the people they serve. Stay with us. So uh, before I came into the FBI, uh, I was an attorney in private practice, practiced law in uh, Southern West Virginia for uh, about four years before I came to the FBI. Uh, And I really enjoyed that. I think it gave me a a really good background for the work that I would later do in the FBI. I'm mostly focused on um, corporate and commercial law. Uh, And I learned a lot about how banks operate, how, um, you know, businesses operate and what happens when there's a dispute between those businesses, um, which gave me really a, a good Uh, foundation for work I would later do in the FBI. And so um, while I was practicing law, um, you know, 9-11 attacks occurred. And uh, that was one of the things that I think really kind of uh, pushed me to explore a career with the FBI, like many of the people uh, who I joined the FBI with in the early 2000s. Um, That was really kind of a catalyst for uh, making that career change. Um, You know, for me, it's the FBI was something I was always interested in, but um, really kind of grew up not knowing how much of an option that would be for me. And I started to explore it um, after the terrorist attacks on 9-11 and uh, was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to interview and, and take the battery of tests that you go through and and uh, lucky enough to, to be selected as a special agent uh, in 2004. Um, so that's, that's how I started out. And then, um, you know, my first office in the FBI, I was in a small I was in a small office out in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which is in southeast Missouri, a rural area for the most part. Uh, Cape Girardeau is a college town, but uh, the surrounding counties are fairly rural. Um, Only four agents uh, in that office when I got there. And um, that was really just uh, an incredibly uh, valuable and honestly kind of fun part of my career where I was working a, a whole host of kind of criminal violations that the FBI is responsible for, like bank fraud cases, um, drug and gang cases. I was working uh, bank robberies. And that's really where I got my first exposure to the cyber mission in the FBI, which at that time was uh, was a pretty new thing. Um, And my first exposure to that was in working the online exploitation of children cases that are so critical Mm -hmm. to the FBI's mission. I went from, from there to Chicago where I worked uh, organized crime in Chicago. And, and for me, that was kind of another introduction to kind of the cyber criminal mission. Uh, I worked um, sort of the non-traditional organized crime is, is, the, is how we put it. Uh, so <laughs> basically the groups that were not typical uh, La Cosa Nostra or Italian 
uh, organized crime cases, but some other like Eastern European groups. And um, I got involved in a case that involved a, uh, a Romanian um, tax fraud uh, case and uh, which had some cyber elements to it, um, you know, involved with uh, basically stealing the legitimate credentials and identifiers of real tax filers and using those to file uh, fraudulent federal tax returns. Um, and uh, so, again, like sort of my second exposure to cyber, even though I wasn't technically kind of working in the cyber program. And then I went from uh, I went from Chicago to FBI headquarters and I worked at the IC3, which I know you're uh, familiar with and many of the listeners probably are, too. So the Internet Crime Complaint Center. Um, and that was really my first foray into the cyber division um, and had the privilege to work there for uh, a couple of years. And and then, uh, you know, without giving the total blow by blow, I had an opportunity <laughs> to have a couple of different leadership positions uh, in the Cincinnati field office after that continued to, to touch on cyber and work in the cyber area. And then, um, you know, about a year and a half ago, I came here to the cyber division as a section chief um, responsible for the FBI's, you know, global cyber criminal mission. And, and so what is your day-to-day like today? Can you give us some insights? So what sort of things take up your time? Well, I, you know, I like to joke sometimes with people when I'm, when I'm talking about what it's like to be an FBI agent in general that, being an FBI agent is just like it looks on TV. And the other 99% of the time we do paperwork. Um, <laughs> so uh, th- there's some element of truth to that. You know, uh, uh, the FBI is very focused on um, strategy and documentation and process. And so a lot of what I do now is I sort of try to, you know, I no longer work the cases as a case agent as I would have in Chicago or, or in Missouri. But uh, my job is really to kind of try to, identify where our resources um, across the FBI are best used. So I I spent a lot of time looking at what we're doing, what the great work in the field looks like. uh, Are we focused on the right things? um, uh, Should we prioritize one thing over another? And then, you know, importantly, I think part of my role is to build partnerships with other government agencies um, and with uh, folks in the private sector. So I spent a good amount of my time uh, before COVID, you know, traveling to meetings where I, I could discuss uh, joint opportunities with those government agencies or private sector partners. And now I spend a lot of time doing whatever remote uh, type of meeting is is appropriate so that uh, I can make sure that we are, we in the FBI are properly lashed up with the, um, with the people we need to be working with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting you mentioned that. I mean, I I would say my perception over the past couple of years is that there's been a real deliberate effort on on uh, behalf of folks in the FBI to reach out, to have more engagement, to be a, a little less, uh, I don't know, opaque or mysterious or, or any of those sorts of things to, as you say, to to actively engage in partnering. Um, first of all, is, is my perception correct there that that's been a, a real um, a, a deliberate thing that that you and your colleagues have been up to? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the word deliberate is the right word. This has been a concerted effort by the FBI to um, to try to build partnerships and build not just, you know, a partnership for a specific case or a specific incident, but build the, the type of enduring partnerships that we need to be successful uh, as a society. You know, I, I think one of the real strengths of the FBI uh, in the cyberspace is our footprint. You know, we have 56 field offices and over 300 satellite offices all around the country 
um, and you know spread throughout, sprinkled throughout those um, offices, we have highly trained cyber investigators. And so putting those people uh, in touch with uh, the people in their backyards who um, you know hold the other pieces of the puzzle when it comes to combating the cyber threat is one thing that the FBI can do uh, as part of the whole of government effort uh, to help to help fight that threat. Yeah, you know, I, I think about you know that small business in in a in a town or community somewhere who may have gotten hit with ransomware, and I would imagine in the past that they wouldn't have thought who to contact. You know, well, I'll call the FBI. I, I would imagine they'd think, well, you know, that's beyond the scope of. They're not going to be interested in me. But but I think one of the things that that uh, you and your colleagues have really done a good job with lately is putting the word out. This is no we. We want to hear about these things. We need to hear about these things so that we can weave together this bigger picture of what's going on out there. That's 100 percent true. And we don't want we don't want anyone to think that uh, when it comes to a cyber incident, uh, when there's potential criminal activity that has spawned some type of cyber incident, we don't want anything, anybody to think that their problem is too small for the FBI. Um, We're always happy to entertain that conversation and, you know, while we can't always take immediate action that fixes the problem, as we look at the long-term solution, I kind of look at this as pieces to a puzzle. And, you know, the FBI, we hold some of those pieces, but many of them are out there with victims or uh, private sector entities that work in the cybersecurity space. And so only by really coming together and, and putting those puzzle pieces together can we kind of solve that ultimately. Can you give us some insights as, as to what that engagement looks like? If someone reaches out to you um, and they've had some sort of a, a cyber incident, how, how does it work? Absolutely. You know, one of the so the first thing is we need to assess, does the FBI have some type of predication or jurisdiction to help look at this problem? And so, you know, one of the things we're always looking at is um, and, and it's not as if you have to sort of prove this up front. That's why we do investigations. But we're looking at. Do we have sufficient facts here to say that um, there has been a potential violation of federal criminal law or some type of threat to national security? Those are really the two uh, things that give the FBI its authority and power. Um, And if we do think there are facts that suggest that that's going on, then typically a a cyber trained special agent will uh, make contact with that victim and start talking with them about um, what the potential incident involved, and um, what we can do to help. So it's different in every situation, but some of the things that we might do is um, we might take information that we have gathered from other cases, indicators of compromise or uh, potential things that could be useful to a company in trying to remediate whatever problem is going on. And so if, if we have that type of information uh, in our holdings and it's not classified, we can share it, then we will. Uh, That's really the first step, because we know that the number one thing that a company wants to do when they've uh, suffered a um, uh, some type of cyber incident is they want to get back to business and they want to know that their systems are are safe to conduct business on. So whatever information we have, um, we're going to provide that. The second thing that we do is we want to start a dialogue with that company about what type of information the FBI might need to collect in order to advance an investigation into this particular incident. And we, uh, you know, fortunately for us, we have very experienced cyber agents who understand that um, when we 
make a determination that we need to collect evidence from a company, we have to balance the disruption that that uh, particular process might cause um, with our need for that information. And so we try to do that in the way that is least intrusive, but still allows us to, to get the evidence that we need to, to move on. And then the third thing that we really talk about with that company, and this is something that I think we need to constantly reassure our partners of, is that if you're a victim of a cyber incident, regardless of what that is, you know, the FBI recognizes that there's sensitivity involved in that, and that is not the type of thing that um, a victim would necessarily want to be broadcast to the world. And so we, we want to protect the privacy and sensitivity of a victim's information as we conduct the investigation. You know, sometimes um, through, through the legal process, if, if something goes to trial, ultimately, um, you know, sometimes some of that information will become public. But um, we want to we work with our partners, and particularly when you've been the victim of a crime, to make sure that you don't sort of get re-victimized by, um, by having sensitive information about your business or your company uh, published. So, so those are really the, the three initial things that we do when we find out about, a, um, uh, about some type of cyber incident. You know, it strikes me that, I mean, that, that's kind of a, I suppose, a, a reactive sort of thing where something happens to someone, they reach out to the FBI, and then the engagement begins, um, and you collaborate together to, to try to do what you can. Is there a proactive component as well? For example, if, if the FBI uh, gets word of something that may be happening or an organization that, that's been targeted, and maybe that organization doesn't know about it yet, is, is that a situation where you all can can go reach out to people out there in the private sector? A great question. We, we do a lot of that. And, and honestly, you know, that's in, in many ways more important than the reactive piece of our mission. If we can prevent a cyber attack, that's certainly something that we want to do. Uh, you know, think about it along the lines of, um, of preventing, you know, violence or terrorist attacks. We want to do the same thing in the cyberspace, if at all possible. And so we have a couple of ways that we um, primarily engage in that way. We have uh, an engagement unit here at headquarters that oversees engagement with the private sector on, on these types of topics. And if we have products that we can put out um, broadly that would provide, you know, potential indicators to um, companies that would allow net defenders to protect themselves, or um, if we have uh, other information that would be of use, we publish that um, through a number of means, not the least of which is by posting it on ic3.gov. Uh, we also lean heavily on the, the on that field office presence when we uh, are looking to engage. And so every field office um, leader, which is a special agent in charge, is tasked with um, engaging with the most important partners within their own areas of responsibility uh, on all of our programs. But as you can imagine, when we do those types of engagements, one of the main concerns of uh, executives in companies big and small uh, are cyber threats. And so we engage on that on a very personal and, and direct level. And then the last thing I would say that, that we try to do is, is promote you know, general public awareness about this. So maybe not necessarily targeted at a particular entity or company. But um, when we hear about um, potential threats or when we see a trend uh, indicating an increase in a particular type of threat, then we'll publish public information about that, often in the form of a, of a public service announcement posted 
on ic3.gov. And of course, we have many partners in this space that we work alongside. Um, we'll do joint seal products with other government agencies who are involved in this space, like the Department of Homeland Security, to try mm-hmm. to kind of speak with one voice uh, as a government as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my, my next question, which is, you know, how does that level of collaboration work between your teams and and folks at, you know, the other three-letter agencies throughout the government? Um, what's the interaction there? Well, you know, we all have a, uh, have a defined role within that space. And, of course, the cyberspace is not simple. Uh, it's a complex environment, so there's naturally some some overlap. I think where I see the FBI is... Uh, really sitting in the middle of uh, of that continuum between the offensive mission that we may have that, that may be part of wh- what the military does, uh, for example, and the defensive mission, which is really uh, kind of led um, by our partners at DHS and, and others. Um, the FBI, as a, as a law enforcement and intelligence agency, really sits kind of at the crux uh, of, of that particular um, framework that I just described. And we have to support both the offensive and the defensive piece through our investigations and our ability uh, to collect intelligence on the cyber threat. So um, in that regard, I think the FBI, uh, in my biased opinion, is uh, is really a key cog uh, in that wheel. And while we do have different roles and responsibilities, our role is really kind of to work alongside everybody uh, within the government to make sure that um, that, that we achieve our goals and objectives as a law enforcement agency, but also that we enable those other partners uh, to take the actions they need to take. That's really the thing that's going to keep the American people most protected is if we work together in that fashion. What sort of uh, advice do you have for someone who, who may be inspired to follow in your footsteps, someone who thinks that you know, maybe uh, a career, a mission-based career in an organization like the FBI might be for them. What what sort of things would you say they need to know to pursue something like that? Well, I think the most important thing that they need is just the willingness to kind of take that leap and go for it. I think there are probably many people who um, have an interest in serving with the FBI uh, who think maybe it's not for them or it's something that they can't do. And um, you, you won't know that until you give it a try. Um, you know, we need people from all different backgrounds and people of all different types of skills to make the FBI the strongest it can be. Um, I think a little more specifically, the, the service that I have been able to provide to my country and the citizens of the United States as a part of this um, organization is something that you can't put a price tag on. There's there's really no replacement for the fulfillment that you can get out of um serving in an organization with a very important and specific mission like the FBI has. And, you know, we need the very best people uh, that we can get to come to the FBI if we're going to continue to do our job the way we have for the past hundred plus years. And then, you know, really specifically to cyber, I I would also say, uh, you know, as I talked about my background earlier, um, one thing I never mentioned was uh, my computer science degree or my background in uh, information technology, and that's because I don't have one. I Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, we certainly need those folks with strong technical backgrounds who uh, really know the ones and zeros of this type of work. But we also need people who may not have that background uh, yet, but have an aptitude for learning 
and um, you know have the ability to do all the other things that make the FBI uh, successful. So you know, I, I'm, I've encouraged people really of all backgrounds to get into the cyber mission in particular within the FBI um, because number one, I think that diversity of background makes us stronger in the cyber program. And number two, I just I, I can't see the cyber mission decreasing in importance as we go forward. I think it's only going to become more and more important to the FBI in the country. And you get to have one of those cool windbreakers too, right? Exactly. That's the main thing, <laughs> the windbreaker. <laughs> Our thanks to FBI Section Chief Herb Stapleton for joining us. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.